Good morning. Welcome to Grace. We're glad you're here today. Um, we are, uh, we've been preparing for some time to do a Christmas sermon series. And uh, as often happens sometimes around here, the Lord has a different ideal than we do. And uh, so uh, we're going to try to follow the Lord. How about that? <clears throat> Good to see you here, and I hope during the Christmas season, I know you're very, very busy, but I pray that you will come and be a part of this series, that you will invite people to be a part of this series. We're going to be talking about this new theme called Foundations of Peace. We're actually taking it from the book of Romans. We hadn't anticipated taking it from the book of Romans. We'd already had some stuff prepared, but we uh, kind of felt led to... Because, see, last week, now did not Jeff do an awesome job preaching last week about the sovereignty of God and how God sometimes in our worst situations, we don't realize even in those situations, God's highly using us. And Paul went through all these shipwrecks and all this stuff, and it was still God was using him in a big way. Uh, as far as uh, uh, online uh, uh, YouTube users, speakers. Anyway, Jeff was just honored to be asked to speak online, and I can't explain it. He'll probably explain it later. But out of he's uh, number seven among forty different people online, and he'll be doing an online conference speaking type thing. And I think it's January or February. But uh, that's a great honor. Give him a hand on that. One. <laughs> uh, but you know, even though Jeff is that good, I cannot believe that as we ended the book of Acts, he left Paul shipwrecked on an island, snake bit. <laughs> and that's where we're supposed to just like, that's where we're supposed to end like, hey guys, just want to tell you, Paul's shipwrecked and snake bitten on an island. <laughs> good luck to him. <laughs> Let's talk about Christmas and Christmas joy and forget about Paul. I just couldn't do that. I could not leave Paul on an island shipwreck. I did think that it would have been, you know, if I'd have been preaching last week on that subject, I would have done a story. I would have done the uh, song uh, Amazing Grace to the tune of Gilligan's Island. <laughs> I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. <laughs> but we would not put Gillikin in there. Maybe Marianne, but not Gillikin. Uh, and so we're going to talk about this foundations for peace. And there was a reason that, that they had... The, the Bible is not in chronological order, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Bible is in the order that they felt like told the story of Jesus Christ. So they got Matthew, Mark, Luke... John, Acts, Romans. So we just got through with the book of Acts. So it makes sense that if we want to find out what happened to Paul, we got to go to Romans. Because we know that one of the last things Paul told us, he's going to Rome. So I figured if we would look in Rome, we would find him. And we will. We'll find him there. Because he wrote the book of Romans. And it's very, very interesting. I want us to, to um, look at a few passages of Scripture here today. And we are going to look at, uh, in these foundations of peace, we're going to look at Luke 2, 8 through 14. And it tells us here, 
And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all peace. To all the people. Joy and peace it's the Christmas story, which shall be to all people. For unto you this is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find a babe wrapped in swallowing clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So the Christmas story is a story about where and how to go and find peace. Where do we go to find peace? Where do we go to find joy? Where do we go to find hope? And so we're going to look in the book of Romans because Paul is going to tell us how to find peace with God. In Romans 1, Paul, a servant of Christ, Jesus called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel. I want you to notice how many times it talks about the gospel. The amazing thing about the book of Romans, when I was in college, I was to have money to go to college. I was a night watchman in a little security booth at the entrance of our college before you go down to where the college was. I worked there at nights, and so nobody could come to the college except through me. It made me feel very powerful. I, did, I wasn't even given the honorary Barney Five one bullet in a gun. They didn't even give me a gun. So if anybody would have come, I just had to, brute strength. I had to deal with them. Uh, my other job was working in a, uh, in a, I was working at an exercise place showing people how to get muscles. Uh, so back then they had no standards at all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But I did work there taking people through exercise programs, selling them uh, programs. That was like my afternoon job, and this was my night job. But during this time, it was a very enlightening time for me because I'd take my Bible and just a, a pad, and I made up my mind that I was going to go through the entire book of Romans, and I was going to read the book of Romans every night. And so every night for a month, for 30 days, I read the book of uh, Romans over and over and over and over and over again. It was one of the most enlightening, most powerful, one of the greatest things I ever done in my ministry. Probably one of the most fastest learning processes ever. And so, you know, it hasn't been too long ago since I went through the book of Romans. And I go, well, God, we can't go through the book of Romans again. He goes, well, you can too. I kind of expect it. And, but I guarantee you, I'm going to go through the book of Romans. And you go like, I don't even think he preached any of that stuff the last time he went through the book of Romans. Because the, Romans, the book of Romans is considered one of the greatest books ever been written. Matter of fact, some of uh, Martin Luther, it was Martin Luther, as he was studying Habakkuk, he was reading The Just Shall Live by Faith, that he uh, had an awakening, and, which started the Reformation. And uh, he decided that, yes, the... the the, you know, that we live by faith. The just live by faith. We live by faith. 
And he said that. And so it was an awakening. He wrote lots of stuff about the book of Romans. Then you have John Wesley, the, the uh, founder of the Methodist Church, John Wesley. He came over here. He said, I'm going to come over here and I'm going to, I'm going to help convert some of these Indians. And he realized that the Indians didn't need converting as much as he did. He needed to find the gospel. And going through this book of, of Romans, and we get to it, it talks about the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, over and over again. And so we get to this, he was set aside by God for the gospel of God. I'm going to talk about that. The gospel he promised before and beforehand through the, his prophets and the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earth, earthly life was a descendant of David, and who thought... Uh, who through the spirit of the holiness was appointed to be the son of God in the power of his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord, through him we receive grace and apostleship to call all, to all the Gentiles into obedience that comes from faith. For his name's sake and you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be holy people. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I want to thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Because your faith is being reported all over the world. God whom I serve in my spirit is in preaching the gospel of his son. So he calls it the gospel of God, the gospel of his son. Is my witness how constantly I remember you in prayers in all times. I pray that now at last my God will, that God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. I want to give you a gift, Paul says. And to make you strong, that it, that, that is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I need your faith and you need my faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I plan many times to come to you, but I have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I had among other Gentiles. I am, I am obligated both to the Greeks and to the non-Greeks, both to the wise and to the foolish, that it is my, that is why I am so eager to preach the gospel. There it is, that word gospel again. To you who are in Rome. Verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. There it is again. Because it's the power of God to bring salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from First to last, just as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. As I got a looking at this and I go, well, God, I'm going to the book of Romans right here at Christmas time. He said, yeah, we're going to talk about the foundations for your peace. It's your ability to find peace with God and peace with your fellow mankind. If we've ever needed peace on earth, we need it now. We need it now. We need it now. We are warring and fighting with each other way too often. If you look at the Old Testament, the Old Testament, you have five books that starts the Old Testament. You got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The Jews call that the Torah. It's the first five books of the Bible. 
The Gentiles, others call it the Pentateuch, meaning Penta five. It's the first five books of the Bible. Pretty much people said you could find out everything you need to know about the Bible in the first five books of the Bible. It's like the gospel. It's, it's the failure of humanity in five books. It's everything that went wrong with humanity in five books, basically. The first five books of the Bible is amazing because he told them, he said, in the day that you disobey, you'll surely die. And they did die. They died to their enlightenment. They died spiritually. They died uh, in so many ways that we have never even comprehended how they died. Uh, and so it's, it's kind of amazing what happened there in the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis, he said that we find the book of Genesis is a book of death. Because when man sinned through Adam's disobedience, remember that word, through disobedience came what? Sin and death. The reason there is sin and death in this world today is because of disobedience. The reason there's killings and murders and hatred is because of sin and death. The reason the world is in the shape that it's in is because of sin and death. And so to reveal that and to hear it ring like a, 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 a death toll bell, you have in Genesis, so-and-so lived so long and then they died. And then so-and-so lived so long and they died. And so-and-so lived so long and they died. So-and-so lived long. It's a book, more or less an obituary of disobedient people. And you find in the first five books of the Bible how bad mankind, mankind is messed up. All right, you get to the first five books of the New Testament. Normally we call the first four books of the Bible the gospel. I believe that as we went through the book of Acts, we realized something that really the book of Acts is to be included as a part of the Gospels. Because the book of Acts is the second part to Luke's Gospel. So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, or you've got Luke part two, the Gospel. You got the Gospel. The difference in this new Gospel is that the old gospel was about sin and death. The new gospel, the new covenant, is about life and liberty. It's about you can be alive and you can be free. And it's good news. We see where the angels are saying there's something about to happen and it's good news. You don't even understand how good the news is of what's going to happen in a manger scene. There is good news coming upon the world. Great news. The greatest news there have ever been, ever at any time. Great news has come upon the earth. See, uh, we look in the scriptures here, we look in the, the passages and we'll find that as we, uh, I think I've got this off. Now I'll turn it on. Good news, peace on earth for all. The good, the good news is not, just, uh, is not just Jewish news. It's not just Gentile news. It's, it's not just wise people news. Uh, it's not just ignorant people news. It's everybody's news. It's good news, peace on earth for all. Say for all. It's for all. Don't, it don't exclude anybody. 
And uh, so we find, number one, that this gospel is from God. Many of the gospels, like the gospel according to Matthew or the gospel according to Luke or the gospel according to Mark. Are, and Paul said, I want to say mine a little different. Paul felt like he was the least of the apostles. Paul actually means little man. Some people believe he was short. He was little. But he boasted big, right? He boasted a lot until God got a hold of him. The word gospel simply means good news. It's good news. It's not only good news. It's the greatest news there has ever been. The gospel is that kind of good news. And Paul says, this is, this is really not my gospel. It's really not Luke's gospel. It's really not Mark's gospel. It's not, uh, uh, you know, uh, John's gospel. This is the gospel of God. And so we will find as we go through the book of Acts, and we go through the book of Romans, you'll find that the gospel actually started, the good news started right after the bad news hit. See, we, we go to the book of Genesis, that first book of the Pentateuch or the, or the Torah, and you look in the beginning, God. We're going to find, I'll be preaching next week on this. You know, we've started this preaching team and it's been so amazing what God has laid on their heart and what they brought. And uh, I go, man, I need to preach next week because and I noticed and I just turn it over and ask them to schedule out. And I'll, I said, I can preach anything. It's all word. It's all God. It's all Bible. Just tell me what I'm to preach on. And then I realized, okay, I looked this morning. I'm preaching next week. And I said, I need next week. I need next week to talk more about this. But the foundation of peace in Genesis is in the beginning, God. It was not God's beginning. It, it's, it's not, this is for our benefit. It's not uh, God was already before that time. It's not the beginning of God. It's in the beginning God created. If I was the devil and I wanted to destroy a civilization, the first thing I would do is try to go and find all the truth that makes man great and good. And I would go and try to destroy those truths. I would try to destroy those truths. And if I could succeed at telling some news that would cause people to believe a lie and be damned, I would go and I would start off with the foundational truths and I would go and try to destroy them first. Back in the 60s, I don't know if how many is around my age, but back in the 60s, there was signs everywhere that God is dead. How many remembers that? God is dead. God is dead. The Bible says that in the beginning, God. The world says God is dead. If God was here, there would be no Vietnam War. If God was here, there'd be no problems. There'd be no dr drugs and alcohol and people destroying themselves. If God was here, and since we don't feel God, we don't sense God, nobody even looks like God, God must be dead. And so the devil done a good job selling a false narrative that God is dead. People believed it. The, the next thing that happened is they begin to say, said God created. 
The next thing that came out in my schools, they began to change the biology books and they began to say, no, God didn't create anything because there is no God and he didn't create anything. We are a part of an evolutional process. And so that's the second thing. In the beginning was God and he created the heavens and the earth. If you want to destroy a society, that's what you do. You go to the very beginning of the beginning of the story of God and you start denying it line by line and story by story until you cause people to believe a false narrative and die. Does that even remotely sound like what's going on in our world today? Absolutely. And so... He says this is the gospel is from God. And I like this. He said, Paul, a servant of Christ, Jesus called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. It's, It's not my gospel, Paul said. This is the gospel of God. The gospel was set out in the beginning. He goes, which he promised beforehand. I got a reading this, which he promised beforehand. It got to me. Beforehand, I just want to let you know that you are not an afterthought. You go, well, you don't understand how I was conceived. I'm not talking about your conception. You could have been conceived in the back seat of a Chevy or the front seat or a Ford truck or on a blanket in the woods. That still does not mean that God did not want you. You may be some parent's accident, but you have never, ever been God's accident. If you're here, God wanted you to be here. You're here because God wanted you to be here. You're born, you're alive, you're breathing because God chose you. He called you. He chose you. We're going to find out. And so we, he promised beforehand through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures this. He's already promised this. He's already prov- told it by the prophets. How blessed is God and what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to high places. We go a little bit further and it says, he takes us to these high places of the blessings in him. Long before he laid down the earth foundations. Long before there was a recording of in the beginning. Before time. See, there never has been a beginning of God. God has always existed before time. There is not a beginning point. People go, well, who created God? You're very foolish if you were to think that. You know, for a long time... Back in the 60s and 70s, it was very popular to say you were either atheist or agnostic. Primarily, it was more favorable to say you were agnostic, meaning that I don't know that you can know that you can know that there is a God. I just don't know that you can know. Well, when they took the word agnostic and they they translated that into eventually translated into the Latin, you know what the word agnostic means? It means ignoranus. It's not a good word. It's not a good word. And uh, 
So the Bible says that these things are written that you might know. We're going to find out in Romans that people that have never been told anything about God, they still know because God makes himself known through creation. And, and, and God before, what amazed me before time was, before there was a beginning that we know of as a beginning, before anything was that is, God, long before he laid down earth's foundation, he had us in his mind. Used to be the Southern Gospel song they did when I when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. Amen. But I'm gonna tell you, before he was on the cross, you were in his mind. Before you were born, or before anybody was ever born, before the creations of the earth, before there was an earth, you were already in God's mind. There's nobody that's ever been born. That has not already been planned and in the mind and the heart of God. So before he laid the foundation of the earth, he had us in his mind. He had settled on us as the force of his love. Not only the force, but the focus of his love. We, he was going to make us and we were going to be the force and the focus of his love. I want to ask you something. When you considered having children, was your primary reason to have children was for you to have some children that they would love you? Or was your primary focus of having children is that you may love them? Kind of of weird and strange. It's like, well, I feel so... uh, bad about myself that the only reason I want to have kids because I want to have this kid and I want to put the weight and the responsibility on this kid that this kid makes me feel love and the only reason I'm having this kid is I want this kid to make me feel good about myself and make me feel love that's a warped that's a warped psyche right there it's a warped mind but the real reason why God planned us before anything was planned Before there was a world, he planned us because he wanted to focus his love and his force of his love on us. He had us in his mind. He had settled on us as a force of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. So God, by that very statement right there, before we were created, God knew that when he did create us that we would mess up. And when he messed up, he was going to love us anyway, in spite of the fact that we're messed up. And he would love us back to where we needed to be. He would love us back to wholeness. He would love us back to holiness. And it would be accomplished because of his love. He loved us. He loves us. Then I love this. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family. Through Jesus Christ. Now I tell you what I don't know about you. But I think adoption is so awesome. I think adoption is kind of even greater than just being a birth child. The reason I say that is. You may have accidentally. Said kind of accidentally on your part. On the parents part. 
become someone's child. You might have been accidentally on their part. You've never been an accident on God's part. God meant for you to be here. But there's a whole different story when someone adopts somebody. Because when you adopt somebody, you don't have to adopt them. You choose to adopt them. Do you realize how amazing it is to be adopted? Someone chose that you, even though you don't have their blood type, you're not really kin to them, you're not really of their family lineage, but someone chooses you and adopts you into their family. That's an amazing love right there. That's an amazing love. And long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. And then it says, paraphrase there, what pleasure he took in planning this. God took pleasure in planning this love that he was going to have. He already knew that he was going to one day have to make us whole again and make us holy again. But he planned it. He wanted it. It's the great gospel of God. And I think of Jesus when Jesus came and Jesus is telling stories and trying to help people get an image of God. I thought about doing something this Sunday, but I went away from it because I don't want to distract you. But I thought about throwing an image up on the wall there and give you a sheet of paper and let you try to write that, draw that image in. And but just give you a quick look at the image of this image and you would look at it and you say, okay, was it like that or was it like that? Was it like that? And you would try to make that image from what you saw. For you see, we are told many times that we're created in the image of God, but we're really not. Not actually. Adam was treated in the image of God. But then Adam failed God. And then we were created in the image of Adam. We were, because of Adam's sin, we all became sinners. Our image that was supposed to look like God has been marred. It wasn't long until mankind had no image of God. And when we lose our image of God... When we lose our image of of what God's supposed to be. You say, well, you know, we used to do these little nice topical sermons. And we just, like they were funny and they were just great little sermons. And they were like great little topics. And why have we went to preaching more expository? I'm going to tell you why. Because the world has lost the image of God. And the only place you get the image of God back is get in the Word of God. You get back in the Word of God. In the Word of God, it shows you the image of God. You start looking at the image. The Bible says when you look at the image of God, you're changed by that image. You realize, I don't look like that. I don't walk like that. I don't talk like that. Some people go, well, you can't, you can't do that in churches. You can't just get the Bible out and preach out of the Bible. It won't work. I'm going to say, well, I, I don't know about your church, but I believe that Grace Community Church is smart enough to understand the Bible. I believe they're smart enough to get the Bible. I think the Holy Spirit is very capable of bringing the Word of God to you in a powerful way. And the the whole key to Romans is that the gospel is the power unto salvation. The gospel is the greatest news there ever was or ever will be. It's good news. 
And so we've lost our image of God. And when we lose our image of God, you know, theologically, around the world, the church is not very sound. Because the church has got to get back to the image of God. We've got to get back to believing there is a God and we're not Him. We've got to believe that God is alive and God is the Creator. Because if you don't believe these elementary truths, you'll go off every single time. You'll go astray. It's going to be a challenge for some of you. You go, well, I went to a very, very good university and they told me different. You're going to have to get over some things and get back into God's Word. Because you cannot come back into the image of God until you get in the Word of God. And he said that he planned this. He, he wanted to do something. He wanted, he took great pleasure. God, he was planning this whole thing. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into celebration and lavish gifts. And yet he knew we would become enemies of him. He knew that we would go astray. He knew that we would become not whole. He knew that we would become messed up. And he loved us anyway. And he adopted us anyway. And he cared for us anyway. See, we were not in the image of God after Adam. But he adopted us back that he might recover the image of God in us. Like someone would recover a jewel and polish it back up and put it in its proper setting. And he saw that. I was thinking of Jesus like, what does Jesus want us to know about his father? And so Jesus starts telling this parable one day. We often call this, it the parable of the prodigal son. It's really not a, a, a parable about the prodigal son. It's really a story about the dad. And Jesus said, I want to tell you a little bit about my dad. I know you've all got a, a misconception of my dad. I'm going to tell you a story about my dad. I'm going to tell it to you like this. There was this older son, and this older son was very religious. He kept all the rules. Well, he said he kept all the rules. And he was hard on everybody in the family if they didn't keep the rules. The older son, you know, he, he stayed home. He, done, he, he, he was pretty work-oriented, the, the, the oldest son. He was very work-oriented. And the younger son was more free spirit. The younger son was like, hey, man, give me my money. Oh man, I wish you were dead. You just go ahead and give my inheritance where I can go out and have some fun. I'm getting tired of waiting on you to die. He's a free spirit. He come to his dad and his dad said, Here, son, I'm going to give you your inheritance. He already knew. He already knew his son, what he was going to do with it. You ever give something to your kids and you know what they're going to do with it? They're going to mess up. But you give it to them anyway. He said, well, some things you only learn on your own. And so his daddy gave him his inheritance already knowing that he was going to mess up with it. And the son took his inheritance, went to a far land, and he did just like what his dad knew he was going to do. It He blew it. He blew it. He woke up one day and he was eating with the pigs. He's in a far land. And he's thinking about, he's thinking about going back home. He's thinking about going back home and he's thinking about what he would say if he went back home. I'm not, I don't deserve to be your son. 
And that's the part of the story that he's got this plan. He's got this plan. If I could go back to my dad, and if I told my dad, you know, I told my dad, God, dad, I'm sorry, and I wish I wouldn't have done that. And, you know, God, uh, dad, I'm, I'm not come, come back and take sonship again. I just want to be one of your hired servants. You know, your hired servants are doing better than I'm doing. I'd come back to just be your slave. That's the story that Jesus told. That's the mentality of most people in religion today. But not only did the prodigal have a plan, but the dad had a plan. The dad's plan is his dad was already envisioning the day that his son would come to his senses. And the dad was already imagining what it would be like when he looked down the the path of the farm there. And he he said, you know, he's just imagining one day my son's going to come to his senses. senses, And one day he's going to... Come and I'm gonna see him down, down coming back down that farm road. I'm gonna see him coming back to the house. And you know what? When that happens, I want to go ahead and get everything planned. You know, one day, folks, he said, one day, uh, farmhands, uh, one day my son's coming back. And here's what I, I've got a plan, and I'm already taking great pleasure in this plan. One day when my son comes home, when he comes to his senses. I want, you, I want you to go get the fatted calf and start killing it because we're going to have a party. We're going to celebrate. We're going to have a good time. We're going to rejoice. It's going to be so great. It's going to be amazing. The next thing, you know the sigmet ring, the ring that we buy everything off the farm with? It's the, sing, it's the ring that's got our encoding of our farm logo. And you know when we buy something, they take some wax and drip it on a piece of paper and then we do the insignment ring it means it's paid in full uh he said i want you to make sure there's one ready for my son because when he comes back home he's coming back home not as a slave he's coming back home as a my son he's coming back home my son and whatever is on this farm it now belongs to him everything i've got is his and everything that's you know is going to be all his and he can have it and he's got the insignia. He's my son full. And I want you to get the robe. The robe. I want you to get that robe and put on him. And I want you to put the, 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 the shoes upon his feet. And, 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 and I, I'm, I'm, we're going to have a party. And the father was already taking pleasure in planning his son's return celebration. Where did that little goofy parable come from? It's a parable that was already planned in heaven. It's an earthly story with a heavenly message. That's what a parable is. This earthly story is really a story about a father that is in heaven that before the plantation, the, the planning of the foundation of the earth, before there was an earth, before there was anything, he decided that he would create man. He knew man, they would fail. He knew they'd become enemies. He knew they'd be estranged from him. But he figured and he knew, not just figured, he didn't just think about it, but he knew that his love God's love. He said everything else fails, but love would never fail. He knew that his love was capable of bringing any wayward son or daughter home. And he took great pleasure in planning the rescue party. Folks, it's a story about God. That's why Paul is trying to get across to us, and he will get across to us the book of Rome. This is the greatest story there ever was. 
If you were sentenced and you were waiting to be put to death in the electric chair or by lethal injection, and you were sitting there, if somebody came up and you go, well, you're you doing all right? Well, not too good. I got a headache. Well, I got good news for you. I got some aspirins. Well, if you're going to be executed in a little while, getting over a headache is not that great news. You know, oh, you know what, what, what do you want for your last meal? Well, I would rather not have a last meal. I'd rather keep on eating a while. But if I'm going to have to have a last meal, well, I got good news. You get to pick out anything you want. Yeah, but I'm still going to die in a few hours, right? So that ain't too good of news. What about if you're, you're waiting execution, you're waiting death, and you get a call that your stay of execution has been put off? Is that good news? That may be a little bit of good news, but it's not real good news. But what if you got a call and it was from the government and you have been pardoned? How many thinks that's great news? It's great news! Can you believe that? I have been pardoned. I'm not going to die. I got news for you. This God gospel, this Jesus Christ gospel, this gospel of the Holy Spirit, the key to the book of Romans, how great a salvation, this salvation, this salvation, this gospel, this good news is to let you know that God has pardoned every one of you. It's good news. It's good news. The other thing is, you know, to get that pardon, God, he's going to take your sins and he's going to put it on his son. And then that, that would be pretty good news. But then he's going to take his son's righteousness and put it on you. What a trade. That's the greatest news I've ever heard. That now all of our sins is going on Jesus and all of his righteousness is coming upon us. It's the greatest news ever. Because now in the eyes of God, we're holy, we're righteous, we're children of God. Greatest news ever was. It's greatest news ever was. And just like that, that, that in the story of the prodigal son, he was thinking about, okay, when my son comes, I see him coming down that road, I'm going to give the signal, and the party activity is going to begin. They're going to get the, the fatted calf, and they're going to do that, and we're going to get the robe out, and we're going to get the ring out. We're going to get out the best of everything, the best of the wine. We're going to have a party. My son's coming. I'm going to run to him. I'm going to run to him. I'm going to just jump on him. I'm going to hug him. I'm going to kiss him and kiss him and kiss him. Because my son, who is dead, is alive again. Don't mess that up because that's the way it was said. My son that was dead is alive again. Folks, the gospel, the, book, the first five books of the Bible, the, the Ten Commandments, they don't cause anybody to come alive. It's all about works. The law never made anybody come alive. Jesus come preaching truth and grace. Jesus come to bring the resurrection. Jesus come not to make bad men good. Jesus come to make dead men alive. And dead women alive. We're alive only in Jesus Christ. We're adopted only in Jesus Christ. But folks, there is a, there is a fundamental foundation of this going about you got to believe there is a god you got to believe that he is the creator you got to believe the greatest news in the entire world is that he come to save us me and jeff and some of us that are speakers were talking about that 
Have you noticed that so far in the book of Acts, every single message is the same message? It's the same message. Peter preaches the same message. Then Paul starts preaching the same message. Peter kind of preaches eight messages, hangs it up, he's done. And then Paul starts preaching, he preaches so many messages, he's done. Because they went, and you know, it's almost like this to the, to the gospel. It's not even right for you to hear the gospel twice until everybody in the world's heard it at least once. The gospel is the greatest news ever that you're not living in sin anymore. You don't have to die and go to hell anymore. You don't have to die for your sins anymore. Jesus has made a way for you to escape. And he's already planning a party in heaven. And he's got this idea of giving you uh, gifts uh, from the hand of his beloved son. He's got all kind of gifts and things he wants to give you. He's planned it. He's taking great pleasure in the love that he's going to bestow on people that don't deserve it. The greatest love you can ever show on your children is when they don't deserve it. Folks, we've missed it a million miles in the church. The gospel is gospel of love. It's a gospel of telling somebody you're not no stranger. Next week we're going to learn the first chapter he talks about the, the, the pagan. The pagans ain't ready for heaven. Everybody goes, yeah, we already knew that. Then he talks about the moralists are not ready for heaven. Well, I'm a moral person. You still ain't ready for heaven. Then they talked about the religious people. He said, yeah, the religious people ain't ready. They're the furthest from heaven, probably. So it don't matter if you're a pagan. And here's Paul's great news he's getting to. He goes, it doesn't matter if you're a pagan. You've never heard about God. It don't matter if you're a moralist and you think you're moral and you think you do everything right. It don't matter if you're religious. You all need Jesus Christ. You all need Jesus Christ. And he's planning a party for you. Are you ready for the party? I'd like for our youth to come and get ready. He's got lavish gifts that are going to be given to you by his hand. The gospel is about Jesus. The gospel is mentioned uh, uh, 144 times. And this gospel is about Jesus. It's not about Paul. It's not really about Peter. It's not about you. It's not about me. The gospel is about Jesus. Your salvation is about Jesus. Man said, what do I need to do to be saved? I'm telling you, you come way too late in the process to save yourself. Christianity is about what God's done, not what you need to do. You are children of the most high God. And God wants to bring us back to his image. God wants to bring us back to his image. His love. Us bestowing love and gifts upon people that don't deserve. Concerning his son who was descended from David. That's the earthly part of Jesus. He was Mary's son. Mary's little baby, but he was God's son that was given. Two things happened when Jesus was born in, that, in Bethlehem. The son was given and a child was born. The child that was born was of the descendant of David. It was Mary's child. It was not Joseph's child. If it had been Joseph's child, Jesus would have been born into sin. He would not have been fit to die for our sins. 
And so you've got David. He was born, descended from David. That's his earthly story of, of Jesus. According to the flesh, it was declared the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ Lord. If Jesus would not have been resurrected, all this story is over and it's a fable. That's why every time that Peter preached and Paul preached, they always said that the resurrection, they talked about the resurrection. Why the resurrection? Is because the resurrection is the greatest news ever. You could go to somebody in the church and they go, Pastor, have you heard my loved one died? And you can actually go there and say, hey, I got good news. They're in heaven right now. To be absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. If I didn't have that hope to offer people in doing funerals, I'd quit doing funerals tomorrow. I'd never do another one. Too sad. Too solemn. But when somebody goes, my loved one, you know they've, they've, they've accepted this story. that They've obedient to the story of Jesus Christ. You can go, I got good news for you. They're not dead. Amen. They're not dead. They are not dead, as you suppose. As you think. They, and Paul said, you know, we may grieve for the lineage part, the earthly part of the generation, but the heavenly part, this newborn saint of God, this newborn spirit, they're in heaven with God right now. So I've got good news. You could come to body, and you'll find out as you really look at the book of Acts, not everybody was healed in the book of Acts. Now, from my Pentecostal way of growing up, I kind of thought, well, everybody got healed in the book of Acts. No, they didn't. They didn't. So I could come to somebody, and maybe they got a disease. Some people go, well, you know, HIV is really bad because, you know, there's like no cure for HIV. It's really bad. Uh, I'm going to tell you something worse than HIV. It's called, it's, it's also a disease. It's called SIN. And that sin was passed on to us descendant-wise. Through Adam, all of us have sinned. The great news is there was a blood transfusion. On the day of the cross of Jesus Christ and the blood of Christ was applied to us and we were adopted and put in his family and the angels are rejoicing and God is rejoicing because God's been planning that redemption before the foundations of the earth. He took great pleasure in doing that and planning that. And so the story of Jesus Christ and his resurrection is the gospel for the sake of his name among all nations. Jesus is being given name above every name. Jesus is not a, a particular wonderful name. There's a bunch of people named Jesus in Jesus' time. Messiah is more of a Jewish name, you know, that he would be the Messiah. The anointed one. The Christ means anointed one. What is the name that is the name that is above every name? And what is that name that he's been given? Anybody know? It's Lord. Jesus is Lord, meaning that he owns us. He owns the cattle of a thousand hill. He owns the hill. He is Lord. Jesus is Lord. The Bible says one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You know how you get saved? You know how you find God? You know how you find peace? You know how you find your way back home? See, I could not leave. Paul on a shipwrecked island all alone, snake bitten. I couldn't do it. I had to bring you some good news today. And I'm going to tell you, some of you are all alone today. 
You're brokenhearted. You've been snake-bitten by Satan. Your life is in shambles. You're broken. You're ruined. Everything has fell apart. Nothing seems to have been going right for you in a long time. But I'm here to tell you the greatest news ever. There's a God in heaven that has been planning a redemptive party for you. And he wants you to be there. And he knows that his love will win out. Don't resist the love of God. Don't resist the love of God. Don't become disobedient to the love of God. In Genesis, they got into their problems by disobedience. In the new gospel, under the new covenant, we get into God's family through obedience. Will you obey God today? And the, the thing I'd studied on the, the Christmas story, the wise men. You know, Greek and Rome, they were great philosophers there. And you know, you know that like to be or not to be. That is the question. No, the question is, the question, the greatest question is to obey or not to obey. That's the real question. Are you going to obey God? Are you going to come to his love? Are you going to come to God today? Can we bow our heads for a moment? You've been told today just a little tiny little bit. I'm going to finish this next week. You've just seen a little bit of the love of God. There's never been a moment in time that he didn't think about you. He's planned your return. He, he, he has planned your wholeness. He has planned your holiness. Don't get in the way of what God is doing. Will you accept God today? Will you say, yes, Lord, I'll be obedient to you. I would be crazy not to accept your free gifts of restoration back into your family. I'd be crazy. Today, I want you, God. I'm tired of being broken. I'm tired of not being whole. I'm tired of being miserable. I want you, Lord. And he's saying to you, I've wanted you for such a very, very, very long time. I've wanted you. Dear Heavenly Father, God, it's time for people to come home to your grace. It's time for people to come home to your love and your mercy and your grace. God, we ask today in the name of Jesus, Lord, if there be any, anybody here today that feels afar off, a long ways from home. God, I pray that they would, Lord, come home. The Father's waiting on them. He's got the light on. He's got the party ready. <clears throat> he wants them to come home today. In Jesus' name.